I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. If it doesn't work, you're just not using enough. You're listening to Software Radio, special operations military news, and straight talk with the guys in the community. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to another awesome episode of Soft Rep Radio. I'm your host, the one and only Rad. And before I introduce my guests that are hanging out here with me, I want to point out that we have a merch store. And if you go check out the merch store, buy some Soft Rep Radio, some Soft Rep gear, the mugs, the combat stuff we have, go check it out. It helps keep the fireplace on. Also, we have a book club. And it's pretty new to us this year, but we have great people, everybody subscribing. So go check out softrep.com forward slash book hyphen club. Start reading a book. It's pretty good. And if you want to listen to a book, you can listen to me narrate Brandon Webb, best author, New York Times, Steel Fear and Cold Fear. I am the voice of Navy SEAL Finn in the trilogy books that are coming out on Audible. With that said, today, you know, I'm not going to be that podcast that takes 50 minutes to get into the 10 minutes of the juice. We're just going to jump right into it. And speaking of juice, I have two guys here that decided to stop juice from flowing from your body in the 80s, okay? So today, I've got Bart Gulong, and I've got Charlie Barber, okay? And those two in the 80s, that's right, when Rambo was coming out on theaters in 1980-83, these guys were like, how do we stop blood from flowing out of an open chest wound? Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Thanks so much. Thank you, Rad. I mean, there's more introduction, right? Let's talk about Quick Clot, right? You guys are the Quick Clot duo. Is that correct? Kind of. Charlie wrote the book. My partner and I put together the product. That's right. In the blood, right, Charlie? In the blood. I'll set it up and then turn it over to Bart. So I had nothing to do with the invention of Quick Clot. I'm the writer. So I met Bart about 10 odd years ago. Please tell us how you met. Okay. So I'm a book author. My book, that we're talking about today in the blood is my fifth book and just came out about two weeks ago. And I did meet Bart 10 years ago. Truth be told, he was going out with a woman who lived across the street from my wife and I, whom we were friendly with. And we would be called in my wife and I to sort of check out men that after they got to a certain stage with her to see if, (laughs) if they were okay. So we get summoned to Old Sabre, Connecticut, August 11, I believe it was. And I meet Bart, and it's a very nice house on the shore in Connecticut, beautiful views of the ocean. And he said he had just retired. And I said, I basically said, being the writer and journalist that I am, where did you make your money? Because, you know, it's a nice spot. Yeah. Said. Right. 
I and my partner invented a blood clotting agent called Quick Clot that I'm sure all of your viewers are familiar with. It's now in mm -hmm. the first aid kit of every soldier and Marine. It's at Walmart, it's at NYPD, but it took years to pull it off and we had a big fight with the army over six years to make it happen. And this happened between, well, it goes back to the 80s, but it really was 2001 to 2010 that it all went down. So I, I'm thinking, you know, there might be a book here, you know, just based on what he said. So we stayed in touch. I didn't get around to writing the book about three years ago. And here we are today. The book came out two weeks ago. Bart, you probably have something else to add to that story. Yet again, I always add this, and that is uh, I was interested in, in Charlie doing a book. He was interested in doing a book. The lady and I broke up, and about two months after we broke up, I gave her a call and said, whatever happened to Charlie? He seemed very interested in the book. She said, he changed his mind. He wants nothing to do with it. <laughs> of course, of course, of Hell course. Has no fury. Hell, no, exactly, exactly. And so now you guys reconnected, right? How'd you finally get his number, though? You just looked him up. You're like, nah, all right. Thanks for the, what'd you do? How'd you find him, Bart? Yeah, so well, I- Well, actually, I, he found I, me. I had his number, you know, and I, I had written two other books in the intervening time, but my my docket got clear about almost four years ago. And so I had Bart's number and I called him six times over a weekend and he didn't pick up. And I was like, okay, he, you know, I sort of disappeared. You know, he doesn't want to do this, move on to the next thing. So I remember it was a Monday I texted him and he, he called me right back and he said, oh, I just thought it was a, you know, someone was bothering me. I didn't recognize the number. And within right. about, we had, I remember we talked for like an hour and a half and then Within a week, we were all systems go. He did have to check with his partner if he was up for the book. I remember saying to Bart, if we're going to do this, you need to be able to tell me the full story, warts and all. Are you up for that? He said, absolutely. And then honestly, basically, I, ha I do other things, but basically two years full-time work over the last three years. And we've got this book that's pretty hot right now. Right, and it's called In the Blood, and it's the story of you, right, Bart? Essentially, it's the story of myself and mm -hmm. my partner mm -hmm. and the way we came together and how we came together and gained the support of individuals in both the community and in the Navy medical community, in the soft community mm -hmm. and put this product together and then ran up against one individual at the Institute for Surgical Research that started a three-year-long battle that eventually, fortunately, the product won. I, I don't say we right. won because it's the product that won. And we were able to get Quick Plot and its son, Quick Plot Combat Gauze, mm -hmm. into the hands of the people that needed it. Now, if, if I can, just like, let's think about like some World War II movie that we've seen where they've ripped open a pouch of something and started pouring it on the wound on a belly or whatnot. And flash forward to today, are we starting to see kind of like quick clock coming out in the World War II time? What, are no, they, what, you what see, is that? What you yeah. see in World War, World War II is sulfur powder. 
mm-hmm. which was the precursor of antibiotics. Mm-hmm. It was a fairly ineffective antibacterial. That's what would be poured into the wound. As Tom Eagles was our POC in the Navy Marine community. He was the head of medical for the Marine Corps, which means he was a corpsman from the Navy. Mm-hmm. And tremendous guy, appropriately named most highly decorated corpsman in the Vietnam War, died from Agent Orange complications, of course. Yes. Served six tours, I believe. Won everything except the uh, except the CMH. metal bar. Yeah. In fact, he's the only non-pilot to win the Distinguished Flying Cross. He had a pilot. He had an, a, a helicopter pilot die on him. He grabbed the controls and landed landed the bird. Uh, just an amazing guy. Without him, we never would we never would have made it. But he took us under his wing and and helped us make the whole thing happen and helped us fight the battle, the the age-old battle between the Marines and the Army, and he helped us fight and eventually win that battle. And say his name one more time so we have it clearly. Sure. Master Chief Thomas Eagles. All right. So forever it'll be out there on the Internet. And then if anybody watches that, his name is always going to be said from your voice. I just want you to have that. With an incredible honor to even speak his name. You know, and so thank you for... Diving into saving lives. I mean, someone had to go in and try to split, you know, atoms to create that. And you guys had to at least go into the science lab and start dissecting air and things that would start to clot blood. What was your thoughts? I mean, you're just like, you know, uh, you come from a, you're, you're a military brat, right? Your dad's former military, right? Right. right. So you got and, that love. Uh, and an yeah. English major. English major, right? He was what, Navy World War II? And Navy World War II. And I was an opponent of the Vietnam War. But Mm. unlike most of my friends, unfortunately for them, I was always anti-war. But uh, my attitude was hate the war, love the warrior. There you go. For me, anybody that will go downrange and put their life on the line for this country, regardless the reason, and they don't have an opportunity to choose the reason, Mm -hmm. they forever deserve tremendous honor in my book. But... Let's go back to the way it started. Let's do it. The My partner, Frank Hersey, is a genius. Go ahead, Charlie. Oh, yeah, I think probably the way to go is I'll sort of set it up and then Bart can give the details. So you're right, Rad, about the 80s, not about World War II, because in World War II, they were basically using gauze and pressure, which is mm-hmm. what there was basically no advances in traumatic bleeding from the Trojan War and the Civil War through Vietnam. It was the Black Hawk Down tragedy or mission that really, where soldiers infamously bled out, that put the Army and also just medicine's inability to stanch volume bleeding on, put a huge spotlight on it. And it was sort of crazy. I mean, keeping blood in the body was like this unsolved medical mystery that had been unsolved for two millennia. Pressure and gauze was what was being right. used. So Black Hawk Down, big movie, big book, a lot of attention to the bleeding issue within the military and particularly mm-hmm. the Army. So starting in the mid-90s, there's eventually a quarter of a billion dollars put into 
ways to stanch bleeding, and they're all high-tech bioengineered solutions, essentially create adding something to blood or to a wound on a bandage that enhances the clotting process, usually adding an actual clotting protein. Very expensive, very complicated issues with transmission of things like hepatitis because you're getting it from an animal, right? You're bioengineering it from an animal. Mm-hmm. So mm. quarter of a billion dollar, like a race to solve bleeding. So Bart's partner in 1983, a guy called Frank, and the book is basically about Frank and Bart. He's a struggling mechanical engineer in an industrial park near Hartford. And he can't always pay his bills. He brings in a quartz heater to heat the office some some months. He's a great engineer, but he can't, and he'd be the first to say this, he can't sell anything, really, right? But sure. he, he's using this mineral to separate gases. He makes oxygen and hydrogen machines and nitrogen machines. And he uses a mineral called zeolite. Just think, it looks like kitty litter. It's strip mined from Georgia. It's super cheap. And he pushes gases through this to create an oxygen-enriched gas for breathing purposes. He's working entirely by himself. He thinks, hold on, this zeolite, so two heaping tablespoons of zeolite has the surface area of a football field because it's all sliced up in so many bits. So it captures stuff and it captures things in air and lets the oxygen go through. So he's entirely on his own. Filters it. Filters it. It's a sieve. Exactly. It's a perfect sieve. It's a perfect natural sieve. It was used right. in Chernobyl to absorb radiation. So he thinks, hold on, I don't know it's much It's used about- in water to like pour through rocks and, you know, rocks filter the water, right? Kind of that analogy for my listener. You know, you're pouring all your water through different rocks, sediment, and it comes out clean. Right. Exactly. So he thinks, yeah. he doesn't know much about blood. He's not a scientist, you know, a med- medical person, but he thinks there's, he knows there's water in blood. So he just, on his own, he doesn't talk to anybody about this. Maybe if I put the kitty litter into a wound, it'll absorb the water (laughs) and it'll keep the clotting factors and the platelets and that will turbocharge the clotting process. Two things, nobody in the history of medicine had ever thought of taking something away from blood to clot blood. Everything was adding, right? So I call him the Ringo star of inventors. It's like simplicity, like the genius of simplicity. Let's just take the stuff away. And your viewers can see it on, on YouTube. If you look up Quick Clot, there are trials on pigs. And he was exactly right. It turns blood into jello in about 30 seconds. And it's little it's like, like coagulated. Bart can exactly. probably talk about the science a bit more than me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Frank's basic insight was exactly correct. However, he's not a business guy. He writes a patent. He tries to sell it. The drug companies sneer at him. Actually, they, most of them never even respond. Only one responds. He then loses the patent because he can't afford to keep it going. He meets Bart in 1999, like 16 years later. Bart turns around his business of the, the gas machines because Bart's a natural and brilliant salesman. 9-11 happens. Bart brings this product, which is literally they take out of the barrel in industrial Connecticut they put the stuff in the microwave to they think it'll be a little drier and better t- to absorb 
send it to a trial mm -hmm. run by the Navy in March 2001. So it's right after 9-11, 2002, excuse me. And it's put up against 30 products that are all the high-tech products. The, the military has looked at 30 products. There are now six finalists. Bart, through Tom Eagles, gets on at the last second, and this dried-up kitty litter that's like $10 a pouch outperforms every other product. They put it onto six 150-pound swine, cut them in the femoral artery, which is 100% fatal injury. Their product, which doesn't even have a name at this point, is the only one where all the pigs survive. I'll let Bart tell the rest of the story. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. That's amazing, first of all. I mean, really, you know, to set it up like that where, you know, they fatally cut the artery and then through the quote-unquote what we're going to call it, kitty litter, but it's going to get a name here in a minute. Bart, what are you feeling right here when it's clotting up? You know, you're, you're seeing it work. The trials are going the way you want them to. you got to be feeling good. Well, I was – we're all a little skeptical. And Frank is the kind of guy that reminds you of the absent-minded professor who invented flubber. Mm-hmm. And so I was never 100% convinced the product worked. But we were the we were the outside kid. Prior to the trials, we went down and I went to a meeting of all the six products with all of these very heavy MDs and PhDs right. to discuss the protocol, the way the pigs would be cut and what would happen and how it would all be done. And I sat there and listened to all of them argue about how it was going to be done and try to manipulate the process so that it fit their product. It came around to me after they each spent about half an hour and Joe DeCorda, who was another player here, lieutenant commander in the, in the Navy and a genius, said to me, all right, well, well what about Quitlot? How do you feel about the protocol? I said, frankly, the way I see it, Nobody's going to ask some kid in the ditch how he wants to be wounded. Right. So we have to work under any circumstance. So whatever you do, do it. And that kind of put us in a good position right, right from the get-go. And the product, what Charlie says is exactly right. The, the clot the product produced was like Jello. It was a very, it was very non-oxygen-based mm -hmm. clot. So it was flexible, which means it would hold because when quick clot was applied, that wasn't the end. That was only the beginning. Then you had dust off and an awful lot of transportation before you got to an aid station. And the beauty of it was that that clot was flexible but firm enough that it survived all the way to the aid station. Wow. And just like the whole concept is in wounding or in any traumatic injury, keep the blood in the body that's right because the blood keeps the body alive and if you can keep the blood in the body then you've got a good shot and in fact we're very fortunate according there are various statistics but the one that we know and understand the best is for every in every war 
from the Trojan War forward, the number of KIAs in the field who bled to death was were 21%, was 21%. In Iraq, that number dropped to 11%. That's quick thought. That was a long war, too. That was a long war. You know what I mean? To have 11%, right? You know, yeah. like, you know, versus all the troops, because we have so many veterans. We have millions of veterans from that 15, 20 year long excursion in the Middle East that they all were sent on. And um, I'm sure my listener might be a combat medic, may have had an IFAC, you know, some type of a medical pack on them that they had to go put this on their buddy. And they can probably talk about it too. I'm sure there are, you've got survivors who have given you testimonials. Like, I'm alive because of quick clot. Fairly early in the war, I had moved to Florida. I had a Marine Corps license plate that said Q clot. And I pulled up to, I stopped at a stoplight and a ratty old pickup truck pulled up beside me. And the guy, older guy, signaled for me to lower my window and said, does that mean quick clot? And I said, yeah, my partner and I invented it. He said, God bless you. That stuff saved my son's life. And then he drove off and left me dumbfounded at stoplight. Yeah, rock star moment right there for you. Although you're saving lives and you're not trying to be that, you are that. What we want to do is we want to see this product in the hands of anyone who gets wounded. Yes. Remember that last year in the entire war, 6,000 of our best and brightest died. In the past year, 36,000 people have died on the highways. Well, let's talk about uh, gun violence that's been happening in our schools here in America you know, this is a real thing and we shouldn't be afraid to address that problem. But I'm not trying to put that on this pedestal here, but having quick clot sadly is going to be better than not in that situation. Right. Yeah. And so any place really, I've had it. I've had quick clot. I got some back in 2008. Maybe I had a pack. It was like kind of like a greenish tannish Mm -hmm. kind of rip it open style pack you know i think i have it somewhere a couple of them still does it expire or is it really just like a mineral that can last until it's needed the fda requires us to create an expiration date so we do just like salt (laughs) i've got these great salt flats here in utah that are (laughs) dinosaur salt flats (laughs) yeah exactly a toilet paper (laughs) poor tree you expired (laughs) right 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 Oh man. So has quick clot ever been attributed to somebody, uh, you know, you know, just like, here it is, oh, man, they needed it at like in Vegas. Does, does, do all the police departments now adopt it? Yeah. Like Vegas strong. Oh, it, we, it just to circle back for a moment. We, I profiled it in the book, a soldier and a police officer whose lives were saved by quick clot. One was a, an army Lieutenant in Iraq and, Oh five loses an arm and a leg in a bomb explosion under his Humvee. The two guys he's with are killed instantly. He's thrown a hundred feet, takes them minutes to find him, does lose an arm and a leg, but a army medic gives him quick clot and it saves his life. I also profile a police officer in Northern New Jersey who's shot in the femoral artery by a deranged man is given quick clot by on the on the roadside by a police officer who's a former Marine who got quick clot from 
the war on terror, yeah, exposed to it. He survives, goes back to the police force. What's profound about that story is it circles back to Black Hawk Down. Jamie Smith's death, he was a army private, ranger private, who was shot in the femoral artery and bleeds out because they can't reach the the femoral artery to pinch it. So they kind of impotently Mm -hmm. watch as he bleeds out and, and there's too much fire for them to get a helicopter to get him out. So it's the medic mm-hmm. powerless to stop it because he just can't pinch it off. There's and there's no agent. This is before this is ninety ninety three. There's no agent. It's the beginning of this race. Yeah. And so the quick clot given to our friend now, Gerald Veneziano, the police officer, it's the same injury in the femoral artery that, you know, happened twenty years before. Now there's quick clot and he, right. you know, he's alive today. So, however, there's another part of the story within with the intervention of Tom Eagles that Bart was talking about with the commander of the Marines, the commandant of the Marines and the adoption by the Navy and the Air Force and the Coast Guard. Quicklot is in Iraq in late summer. Oh, two amazingly five months after the trial, it's deemed mission critical and the FDA approves it in two months, which is extraordinary, right? Super fast, yep. Super fast. Expedited. Or and people mm-hmm. doing the right thing. And they have this slam dunk right. trial. They have this slam, slam dunk trial. And how can you not want to approve right. it? Right. Right. How- it's saving lives. It's worth the life saved than any secondary effects of death. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> right. within, within a fairly short time period, the Pentagon says it saved 15 soldiers or, or, and Marines' lives, but the Army does not adopt it. All the other service branches adopt it, but the Army has another product that ultimately fails. Then they go to another product, which is potentially very dangerous, that fails. Quick Clot is there with the other service branches, and it's not until the Army goes through these two agents that fail at high risk that quick right. plot eventually wins in 08. And again, Bart, I just wrote about it. Bart lived it. So he's the, he's the one to tell the story. Well, fortunately, the soft community, because as you probably know, the soft community is an entity unto itself financially and command-wise. They had it when the Marines got it because they can, they can ignore all other protocols and whatever happens on the big army level. They had it. And in fact, the way they got it first was the British Marines had it. Mm -hmm. And we got word very early on that our guys were trading bottles of scotch for quick plot so they could have it themselves. Oh, Moms and wives were starting, starting fundraisers to get quick plot so it could be sent down range to their National Guard units that were personal purchase stuff. Yep. Huh? They want to like try to personal purchase as wives and support home saying, if our government's not giving it to the boys and the girls that need it, we're going to do something on the home front to try to get them this product. And was it available to the civilians to purchase or were you specifically working GS or uh, not GSA? I don't want to say that, but like government at this point, I mean, we were mainly working government, but yeah. I was at a, I was at the army trauma conference in Florida and 
feeling pretty low because to my mind, whatever, and this is the way it was, whatever happened at Fort Sam Houston determined everything the army bought from a medical point of view. Total medical area too, Fort Sam Houston. Yep. Yep. Uh, but I was, I was there and we were suffering the, uh, slings and arrows of all the guys that had been convinced by Fort Sam that our product was no good. And it was the chief surgeon, divisional surgeon of the 10th mountain division. Of course. Who came walking down the aisle, said, show me your product. I showed it to him, told him if it's improperly applied, there is a risk of a second degree burn. And he said to me, so second degree burn and you're alive or no burn and you're dead. Right. I said that that pretty much adds it up. And I should tell you that Fort Sam Houston, the uh, institute, the ISR is against the product. And what he said was, I don't care what the lab rats say. They don't get downrange and get shot at by people they never met before. My guys are the ones that are out there putting their ass on the line. And I want this for my guys. Mm-hmm. That began a whole nother process of us realizing we're not going to sell it from the top down. So we started selling it from the bottom up. Mm-hmm. We went to individual units who had their credit cards for right. their unit. And every unit in line would max out. Twenty nine ninety nine ninety nine. <laughs> we ended up selling it from the bottom up and created, created a tidal wave. Hell yeah! Of sales at that that pissed off Fort Sam so much that they outlawed it. Oh, what? Their next move was to outlaw the product. Someone's panties were ruffled. Yep, and uh, it was it was a serious battle that ended up on the floor of Congress, but eventually we won. What administration was that? That was George W. The junior, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you're, it literally, I have a cat. I have a, I have a litter box. It clumps. Really? Like it, I'm thinking about Braveheart. I'm like so many blood wounds and like hacks and like stabs and just like these flesh wounds that they probably could have lived from. Right. If they just like put sand on it, even just to clot it, just to like, Per se. Remember, it's got to be selective. It does. It does. It's specific. I understand it. But you design something from the earth. Everything that we have is from this earth. Man. Oh, man. You know? I can't claim credit for that. It's my partner, Frank. Frank Hersey. That's right. Who has the genius that Charlie talked about. That's right. Simple solutions for very complex problems. And that's what really can make this country work. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. You're right, Rad, in that there's something brilliantly primitive about the solution that Frank came up with. There's, if you go to ancient texts, Greek and Persian texts, they use clays on wounds. 
and think of a dog rolling in the dirt after a wound, right? And there's a mind-boggling thing that I'll put out to you and your listeners. So the zeolite that we're talking about eventually became synthetic zeolite that is, you know, based on the actual mineral, but a synthetic product. Lab-created, yeah. Lab-created. Right. And so that was what went to war, right? It's been such a phenomenon, zeolite and the use of another mineral, kaolin, which is now what's in currently in combat gauze, that causes no heat. So there's no way around it. It's a, just a brilliant slam dunk product. Hmm. And the company that runs it, Bart had sold it around the time that I met him. The company that makes it now, the, it was sold for half a billion dollars a couple of years ago. So it's just a... You know, this was a, an idea wow. that a guy had in a basement in 1983. So there's been a lot of research about the, these two minerals and their their miraculous ability, but very simple ability to clot blood. So Chinese researchers, this is only about three years ago, and I read, you know, can't r- tell you how many scientific articles I read. And I talked to 20 hematologists, et cetera, et cetera. Chinese researchers wounded rabbits this is like three years ago and they used the mineral zeolite just out of the the mountains of china right ground up right you know a relatively small study it worked brilliantly at clotting blood so here's the mind-blowing thing if a frank hersey and then a guy like bart gulong had come along in 1859 because it's just the rock works just as well and think of if this had been available in World War One, in World War Two, worldwide. We're talking hundreds of millions of people. The Pentagon estimated three or four years into the war on terror, it had saved, quick clot, it saved 150 soldiers and Marines' lives. In the scheme of things, I honor them all, but there, it's it's a relatively low, you know, injury and death war, right? And also, Quicklot was this used used was used on civilians a lot in Iraq because they bore a lot of the bloodshed. So the, the mind-boggling thing is, if someone had come up with this idea, you know, three centuries ago, how many mm-hmm. more people would be alive now? Kings, kings who died, who probably needed to die, would still be alive. <laughs> right. You know, like like that boar that got the one king in the leg, and he just bled and just kept bleeding and kept bleeding. You know, it's like. Right. Where's my quick clot? That's black magic, your majesty. We need to like <laughs> leech you. <laughs> it's like, no, give me the quick clot. No, you're dead. Sorry, bro. Next. So it's like, not to, I mean, to put it so you're right. If it was so thought about, if you just, if they just looked at mud on the side of the river becoming mud with dirt, water and dirt mixing together to like coagulate itself and bind itself. There's a next step here. Now, just real quick. I think part of the story of the book and the you know one of the lessons of the book is that sometimes it takes a total outsider to see something clearly. And we're not here to diss those PhDs, MDs doing the biotech stuff, although they didn't treat Bart very well. They're like, who is this guy that just walked into our meeting? Right. But they're working within the paradigm that they know of you know, they know the clotting cascade. Well, of course, to promote the clotting cascade, you add some more clotting factors. It took a guy, you know, Frank has 
master, a bachelor's degree in engineering. He went to night school for 10 years to get it. This is around the time that he comes up with the idea. No, he doesn't really actually know much about blood. He to this day he gets things about blood wrong, like because we we're on the on the circuit a lot. He sort of gets some things a little confused, but it takes the outsider to see it more clearly than the people in it. And one of the things I'm proud about uh, this book is honoring the role of the amateur. You know, the brilliant amateur who can see what we don't see. You know, it's a little it's a little Van Gogh like. You know, it's a little bit like this guy saw things that nobody else could see. It's very much like that. It's very much, you know, I don't know, savant, you know, it's like they're good yeah. at what they can. Some people can see things differently. Artists have a different way to to draw with their mindset. I do things differently than you. But I mean, yeah, you know, all it takes is a pen and a pad and you can write down your thoughts in the lab and, uh, you know, come out with it. it. It just is that way. It's It's amazing that he created and thought around it. And I, I don't mean to just call it dirt. Let me be clear. Okay. The zeolite is not just that it is a refined mineral. It is refined. It is, it is created to stop the, the bleeding out of your body. And I want to respect it, but I'm just so, like you said, it, it, it could have been so primitive thought about, but Frank was like, Hey, you know, let, this is, let me try this. Uh-huh. He's a genius. He truly is a genius. Uh, on the one hand, he can see things. You hit it right on the head. Yeah. He can. He looks at everything around us with a little bit different angle than anyone else. And I saw that in him very early, and it taught me enough to shut up and let him let him speak. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. those few times they did speak, very quiet guy, very unassuming, can't handle meetings at all. He'll, my greatest memory is we were negotiating the sale of the company for $200 million. Wow. 10 minutes into the meeting, he got up and wondered, said, well, you guys got this. Wandered, yeah. He <laughs> He's like, you got this. I need a drink of water. I'm good. I also know. the kind of guy who would, we never, Frank and I never had a piece of paper between us. Everything we did, we did on a handshake. Just, an, just an unbelievable guy. But there's a the next step here. And... For your listeners, and from our point of view, my point of view, and Frank's point of view, the job isn't done yet. Because in the same way that discovering that bacteria caused most diseases, Quicklot has changed the entire paradigm, the entire planogram of saving people from bleeding. Quicklot essentially puts the power to stop bleeding that only a surgeon has right. into the hands of anyone who can open a packet. That's right. And we haven't gotten there yet. Police officers carry it. That's a big step forward. It should be at every gun range. It should be like in its breaking case of emergency. It should be like, here it is, you know? And so a lot of folks want to be trained on stuff. You know, they want to wear these different, use these different, you know, specific one tourniquet. And like, there's like 14 different tourniquets that they should know them all, you know what I mean? Understand how they all apply and quick clot, understand how it applies and how you, you try to get it to stop, you know? So if you're ever presented with that, you know, just do a, probably a YouTube tutorial. You can probably look this up on YouTube. How do I apply quick clot? And, you know, if you go and get quick clot and you don't want to open up your own packet and waste it, you can maybe watch tutorials. I'm sure it's out there. There are trade you can buy, you can also buy a training package. Oh, perfect. Training package, you know, and you can just get down on it. it that's the best way to do it, right? Mm-hmm. 100%. Just have an understanding. Have it in your backseat of your car. 
but it's no longer it's no longer you wait for the cop to arrive or you wait for the ambulance to arrive. Now it's you open a package and you save a life and you're the first responder mm-hmm. and you are able to save that person's life inside the golden hour. I'm sure your listeners know the gold know the golden hour. And once you're inside that golden hour, the chance of survival is so much higher. And that's what Quick Clot does. It gives life. It preserves life. Okay, nothing's 100% perfect. Let's be clear, okay? You can apply this, and things can still take a, a traumatic toll the opposite direction. And I'm sure that this product helps give you the percentages that you want to survive and need to survive. And it gives morale to the person probably applying it to you. Like, hey, I got some quick cloud. I'm going to put this on you. Okay, I got you. I got you. Okay. And like, you know, just that empathy, trying to just know that I've got something to put on you and, and give you that peace of mind while you're in your worst. That might help you. I got you. You know, in the, in the battlefield environment, it's a force multiplier because yes. when one warrior gets wounded, that means that guarantees that two people are out of the action. That's right. And what it means is that that second warrior can stop, apply, hold your own pressure, and back in the fight. In the civilian community, even police officers don't get that until every time I get stopped by a cop or I see a cop, Mm -hmm. I I give them a combat gauze. And they say, well, I already carry that. I've got my belt trauma kit. I carry it. And I said, this isn't for your cruiser. This is for your family car. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you can see the light go off. Mm-hmm. And that's where it should be. Every Good. car. Every keep car turning those lights on. <laughs> keep turning the lights on. You just keep yeah. turning everybody's lights on, Bart. And, uh, you know, you're turning my lights on. I'm, I'm like, I'm like, where's my quick cloud? Is it here? I'm like, is it on my dresser? Where was it last? You know, really, you know, and I just want to be clear to my listener and to anybody listening. These guys are guests of my show. I am in no way like paid in any context by uh, these guys to talk about the book in the blood and quick clot. What I have here is I've got a guy who looks like he's got a halo around him in the top corner and that's Bart and he's all nice and glowy. Okay. He's the one that helps bring quick clot to the market. And then we got Charlie who is the author of in the blood, the story about the creation and where it's at today of quick clot. So, you know, this is something that you can go find uh, probably like at a local sporting goods store nowadays, don't you think? At it's available Amazon, on Amazon. I should also say that we sold the company a long time ago. Right. We no longer have any financial interest, but we still have a very moral and personal interest in seeing this product get out there. I feel, if I may, before you know you say anything else, I feel that you and Frank, although there was this money at the at the pot of, end of the rainbow here for you, I don't feel like that's what it was really hundred percent. I feel like you're like, hey, this can. But I feel like Frank was like a savant. I was like, hey, Good do, do you think this could help stop bleeding? And you're like, yeah, bro. <laughs> like this is, <laughs> and he already, you know, I just feel like, you know, it wasn't about that because I don't get that from you. No, it's in, in fact, when we were in the worst of it, when the army was trying to des- destroy us, we sat down and we realized together there was never any conversation about stopping, giving up. What there was was recognition that we were the Blues Brothers. <laughs> and we're here on a mission from God. That's right. That's and right. that mission isn't over. As long as somebody bleeds out there and doesn't have the product, we're still on that mission. 
Who's Jake? Who's Owen? Which one's Frank? <laughs> We've got a third one right here. <laughs> Let's go. I, I, I'm we got to go, guys. Come on. <laughs> you know, next interview, I'll be in a hat and a suit. Rad. I love it. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. To your point, friends of mine run a what's called a violence intervention program in New Haven. They're, most of them are former felons, and they go into rough neighborhoods in New Haven, Connecticut, where, you know, frankly, they were gang involved or whatever. They've now reformed their lives, and they're work, reaching out to kids, don't do what I did. And they intervene mm-hmm. after a right. shooting to try and, you know, get kids not to retaliate and things like that. So I was just actually, they they came to our reading in New Haven a couple of weeks ago, members of the team. They were saying, we need this, this stuff, right? Our team needs this stuff. Our kids need this stuff. I followed up on it. Bart wants to get them some combat gauze, and we're going to follow through on that. In fact, I think we're going to do an educational session. But I subsequently followed up, and the, the guy who runs the team is a former parole officer, said, Virtually all of the guys on the team have stood there helplessly while a kid that they had been working with is bleeding out on the street, waiting, and they're waiting for the EMTs to arrive. And, you know, I think first responder systems in the United States are, are very good for the most part. I think they're very sophisticated, but they're, you can die in five minutes from a gunshot wound. They're usually not there in five minutes, right? Oh, totally. Right. I mean, and so... Totally. What this can do is buy time for the EMTs and the police to arrive. And, That's right. you know, it's a hugely popular product. It's, but, you know, it's not as well known as it should. And one of the things that we're really enjoying, because Bart and Frank and I are on the circuit, although it's really Bart and me because Frank doesn't talk very much. Um, but he, What's up, Frank? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would be a three-minute interview, Rad. Savant. Yeah, yeah, right. Where I'll get it out of him. He'll be like, it's been an hour already. <laughs> We're realizing that one of the secondary gains, or maybe the primary gain of this book, because we, we got a rave review in the Wall Street Journal a couple of weeks ago. We're, we're sort of in demand. Um, we're realizing that one of the... Yeah. I think Bart would say the number one thing we're getting out of the book is you know promoting quick clot. And it should be in the hands of, you know, people everywhere, including your cat. Agreed. Agreed. I, I, I'm just holding up. I, I just, I, do I have a cat in my hand? Go ahead, Luna. No, I just, she just wanted to hear and see you. She wanted to see you. She wants to see who I'm talking to about quick clot, right? Yeah. The, cool. the number one blood coagulating agent probably on the market that helps stop festering wounds from festering any further. You know, just recently in the NBA, there was a championship game that happened in Denver. So, you know, this morning or last night, nine people were just shot. Oh, no. Just outside the having a celebration for 
This was in Denver last night, this morning. I, I hate to date my shows, but I'm just bringing it up, right? That's combat. Casual, those are, those are casualties. There's, that's mass right. hysteria. That's the crowds dispersing. That's people just laying there. People not knowing what they're looking at laying there, not knowing what they're doing there laying there. They're just out having a party, drinking a beer, celebrating the championship of their favorite professional basketball team in their state and just pow, 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 pow. You know, if first responders had quick clot or have it, that's probably going to help them to be able to assess that situation and triage them. And it's just like that. They should just have it. Everybody should have it. Right. And it, it's, it's great if first responders have it. But even not all first responders have it. I think at this point, EMTs have it, but, and it's standard issue in NYPD. But, you know, obviously we follow it very closely. There's still fundraisers that Little Rock, Arkansas, I'm just making that up. The the first responders are trying to do a fundraiser to get it, you know? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I I found a. Because the department can't afford it. Right. Right. But it's a life. Right. It's priceless, Right. right? Like, how much can I buy my life back for? Right. But it's a fire extinguisher, too. And, you know, a fire extinguisher is the kind of thing that you'd never need until you need it. Then you really need it. Right. And that's pretty much essentially what quick clot is, too. And until people realize that there are fires burning all around them. Right. It's going to be an uphill battle. That's right. I've been involved in car accidents that happened behind me in the middle of nowhere. And all I had was like a little rink-a-dink flashlight. And it was just like lighting up a little, my grandpa's 1960s camper silver flashlight. I'm just like, why do I have this in 2000s in my car? I should have yep. some tactical light, period, in the middle of nowhere, in the darkness. I've, I've, I've used it and given it to EMTs yep. at car accidents that I've stopped at That's right. many times. That's right. Because you might be that first responder. You might, you know, or self-rescue. Yep. Right? What if it's just you and you have it and you something so happens and you do I, cut your leg and you're bleeding? Yeah, go ahead. Charlie? So I do have to have you ask your question to Bart about famous musicians that he's met. Oh, yeah, right, right, right. We were talking about that. And I know I get all emotional and, like, really passionate about something. And we love rock stars, right? Uh, I was talking to Charlie a little bit. I had done some security in the past and worked with some rock stars. And there was a question on uh, one of the internet social medias. And it's like, who's the most famous person that you've spoken to as a rock star? And I sat there and I looked at it and I've been around a few people and I was like, Neil Diamond. And I wrote Neil Diamond down. I was like, I got to talk to him. Uh, You know, that was a cool two day security gig. I got to work with him and I met him in ways that people never saw him. Just normal dude in a cardigan sweater. And then he comes out and sparkles like this Neil Diamond that we want to see in the concert. All security has to wear is black. No one's allowed to wear any other colors because he wears all black that sparkles. Uh, so he doesn't want like some yellow security anywhere in the show at all. Yep. It's, no, he's just like, boom, him. Have you, uh, Charlie, do you guys have anybody that you've ever met? Who's the most famous musician? <laughs> Bart, let's go with you. I did some, I, I I did some bodyguarding in my life. So. Yeah. Brad, I know nobody. I've never met a famous musician, but, but Bart has a story for you. Let's hear it, Bart. I have a friend who I, I was involved in, with musicians for a while, and I did some bodyguarding. And I was bodyguarding for a friend in New York City at the, uh, what was the name of that club? It was a Western, it was a country and Western club downtown. Lone Star? Lone Star? And uh, Charlie, the Lone Star Cafe, exactly. 
<laughs> and it was a guitar guitarist. Do you remember the name of the guy? It was a rockabilly guitarist Lonnie Mack. from Texas, who Lonnie Mack, <laughs> whom my buddy was the road manager, the manager for Lonnie Mack. He asked me to come down. He said, there are going to be some celebrities. I just want you to keep an eye on them. So I went down at the appointed hour, and it was Mick Jagger was in the crowd. So I stood behind him, just stood at his table. There was, it, was a, it was a great crowd. There was no issue. And stood there for a while. At the break, my buddy said, okay, go upstairs, go up the stairs. There's a dressing room, a long corridor. He said, nobody, but nobody goes in that dressing room except the band. So I went upstairs. I'm standing there ready to go, ready to be that bodyguard, you know. Yeah. My big trench coat on, the whole deal. Oh, yeah. I love it. Here comes Mick Jagger down the, uh, down. And I thought, okay, Mick Jagger's coming (laughs) Hey mate, <laughs> no problem. So Mick came in, and I was I was alone with Mick Jagger, and I have to say I was a little tongue tied standing there with Mick. But I look up, and two more guys are coming down the down the corridor, and they are the scruffiest looking guys I've ever seen in my life. And I thought, all right, there's no way I'm letting these dirt bags in here. So I stopped and I stood up and I said, "Sorry, nobody, but nobody, except the band." comes in this door and And one of the scruffy little guys said well well i'm bob dylan's manager and this is bob dylan oh i said nobody but mick jagger bob dylan and bob Bob dylan's manager (laughs) and so i let him in jagger came to me jagger kind of slid over and said i've never met bob dylan would you introduce me so, I mean, obviously, I just met Bob Dylan, but he just wanted – he's a, the icebreaker. British in a strange way. That's right. That's right. So that's my claim to fame. I actually introduced Mick Jagger and Bob Dylan. Dude, we're going to have that typed out in our uh, website, the fact that you introduced Mick Jagger to Bob Dylan. Anton or Chris, whoever does my dictations, put that in this. I mean it. I know you guys listen to this. This is awesome. That's awesome. As awesome as Quick Clot. <laughs> I knew you're a rock star, bro. I felt it <laughs> in my own mind. Well, aren't we all? You know, I tell people if you wind up in a conversation to me, I only talk to rock stars. Well, you you know, so if we're talking, then there you are. All right. I'm honored doubly now. It's a privilege. I'm glad, Charlie. And was it Scott that arranged the whole situation on the back end? Uh, maybe your publicist, Scott. Let's give him a shout out uh, for arranging. Yep all of us together today. I really want to say thanks for reaching out and wanting to be on the show. That makes me want to have you on the show. And, you know, in the blood, do you want to say anything about that, Charlie? You want to say, uh, I know it came out already. It's where every book is sold, right? Amazon, Barnes and Noble, your own bookstores, bookstore.org. And it's getting really nice reviews. There's more to come. We'll probably be on your show in a couple of years. We're very proud of the book, and it's, um, you know, we're getting this story out into the world that is, these guys lived through it, and maybe a lot of your mm-hmm. listeners know about it because they were in combat and they were dealing with, you know, Quicklot and the alternative products, but most people right. don't know about this. So it's a very, it's very satisfying to get, you know, a lot of the, re- there's a couple of reactions to the book. One is I can't put it down. 
and because it's kind of like a movie and it's it's it intercuts between mm-hmm. the principles which it should be yep mm-hmm. the other thing is how did i not know about this right let me just say something real quick about about charlie charlie writes nonfiction books and when just the word nonfiction has immediately it feels like there's a dryness sucking into you that it's oh this is nonfiction and it's not that interesting it's the reality real. is mm-hmm. even if this even if this were a boring story which I uh, I think you've seen it's not Charlie has a way of turning a nonfiction work into a novel. And the kind of novel, just as he says, you really can't put it down. It's a novel that happens to be true. That's awesome. Is it available on like Audible for anybody that may want to like truck drive and listen? Okay. It is. All right, good. Or, you know, work in the fob and listen. (laughs) Just to give you an example, just to give you an example, yesterday morning, Frank sent me a text that said, gee, I've got a friend who's too blind to read. And I'm so sorry he can't get the book. I said, and I typed back and said, Frank, there are audible books. The reply, what's that? Uh-huh. <laughs> so that's another little piece of Frank. Now he knows. When I, when I explained to him that audible books have been available for years, he, his response was, what a great idea. <laughs> yeah, why did I think of that? <laughs> like sands it. through the hourglass, Frank. <laughs> like sands through the hourglass, my friend, okay? <laughs> well, well, I think that, you know, you guys have been awesome to be on the show. It's been a wonderful opportunity to talk with you. Uh, I think that this should become a movie or a TV series, and I hope you all have a success. And if it does, I can totally play Bart. There you go. Okay. <laughs> there you go. I was thinking maybe I'd play you. Oh, do it. Do it. Okay, perfect. And we'll just have to incorporate the show towards in the show. Come on, Charlie, work with us here. But again, Absolutely. I love that you put words on paper. Okay. And I love that you use your, your mega mind to do so. And you're still in that lifestyle. I love that. I want you to keep that up. Uh, someone's going to have to write for me when I get my life story out there. Bart. It's an honor and a pleasure. And Frank, I know you're going to watch this and listen to this. You keep up being a madman and you may not know it, but you are. And uh, just keep it up. And, you know, there's other things you can still cocoon yourself, bro, and butterfly something else. All right. We have many lives to live through this one time on earth. So, you know, kick it up a notch, bro. If you got quick clock, you got more. Come on, Frank. Let me inspire you. <laughs> Is that a good call out for Frank? That was. That was. <laughs> All right. Well, with that said, I'm going to wind down the show. I've had you guys' souls for an hour. There's a whole life worth of work that you've put out here, and there's a whole more that you can read about by checking out. It's In the Blood, right? In the Blood. In the Blood, written by Charlie Barber, co-created by Bart and his buddy Frank. And my name is Rad saying thanks for watching Soft Rep. Go buy our merch. And I appreciate you, Brandon Webb, for putting me on the show all the time. Saying peace. You've been listening to Soft Rep Radio. 
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.